Welcome back everyone to Big Mama Hacks and this episode is a little different than it has been in the past. The format is going to actually be a collaborative um, sharing of stories all centered around our beloved elder, the elder bush, the elder tree, the elder berry, and also the plant spirit of the elder and also the goddess Brahala or Halda. And I am very excited about this episode. Um, I've been working on a book for a very long time called Folk Saga, and it is all about folk tales from my experience since a child um, with plant spirits and animal spirits. And I found this was the last, indeed. Um, story that I added to my book to the collection and it was about Elder and Frahala um, because it has been kind of a tricky path for me and my relationship with Hala. I am a very resistant person. I'm very generally agnostic leaning and enjoy participating in many spiritual practices but without much commitment or feeling very connected to particular goddesses or plant spirits or ways to worship, but rather working intuitively for what works for me at the moment or the season of my life. However, since COVID, I have found that I have COVID and also turning 40, actually. Um, I have found that I have been having a deeper longing and and need and desire and hunger for connectedness to deities and plants and animals. So this podcast episode is a little different. As I mentioned, it is a collection of stories, not necessarily interviews, but um, people contributing to the larger discussion about elder and also Frahala or Holda. So I hope you enjoy. It is probably going to be a bit longer than normal and I am going to dig back into some of the interviews from the past and grab a couple of snippets from those interviews from people that I have interviewed that have brought up either Hala or Holder. So do enjoy and I look forward to sharing Book Saga with you all very very soon. It is a very special piece for me and all about my journey in the Oli Valley and Berks County. And I'm very excited. So, mach's gut. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, it's Rachel. Hi, Hi. Rachel Lazoka. <laughs> nice to talk to you. You too. I have been, uh, I've been a servant of Holder for about 16 years. And yes. um, I walked the red path. I walked a native uh, indigenous path prior, um, and I am not of indigenous heritage. I am the world's whitest white girl. Uh, the DNA <laughs> has confirmed that. Um, yes, <laughs> I was really hoping that they'd find some Lenape in there. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, sure, you know, I'm dark and swathy. Sure enough, it's going to come up. You yes. know, almost yes. every Southerner will talk about that one Cherokee grandmother. Yes. Um, and no, but, uh, what I am is, is, is German. And so <laughs> that's where the dark, the dark swathiness comes from. And, uh, yes. 
Uh, I actually ran across an ASA pamphlet in the middle of the night. Um, so I happened to be Googling one night, and I came across this ASA pamphlet. <laughs> you know, may they rot in hell. And, uh, but it said, are you an Indian wannabe? wannabe? And I read it, oh. and it said, you're actually looking for your your ancestors from Europe, your gods from Europe is what you're looking for. And so I started digging around and I started connecting with these Yahoo groups. And this is long before Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all that. Oh, I know all about the Yahoo groups. <laughs> and I ended up, I ended up in Armanagashoft, Hexenkunst, mm-hmm. eventually Uglava. Nice. Um, yes. And uh, then we start, and that's where I met Rob. I met your husband. Yes. Uh, yes. I met Jack. I met Patricia. I met Susan. Yes. Um, oh, Lord. Orva Gailey. Oh, Lord. Um, yes. All of them. You know, Orva. Oh, my gosh. I have yes. no idea. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. So I have, that's, been a, that's really... I have been a, yes. I've been a founding member in Orglava since 2007. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So amazing. I, 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 it, being, 2,000 miles apart from you, like, do my very best. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's amazing, though. <laughs> you know, Rob, is tried, Rob is just the Rob is just the best. And Rob, of course, like, you know, Rob, so I got to love Rob. Love him. I adore him. Um, I usually refer to her not as Frahala, but as Holda. And the way I honestly came to Holda was through my dogs. Um, we had just come to this property, which is 22 acres, and it's divided by a stream in the middle. And um, I, third eye, saw this woman coming up dressed in white with a white horse. And my dogs would just go nuts. And, okay, I was like, okay, obviously I'm losing my mind. I did not know at the time that I could speak to my animals um, and that I was an animal communicator. But I tried, and they said, I said, what are you looking at? And they said, mama. And I said, yes, I'm mama. They said, mama of the dog. And I was just coming into paganism at the time. And so I began to do um, research on her. And a wonderful witch friend of mine who was guiding me at the time said, remember, sometimes we choose our our gods and sometimes they choose us. Um, And um, I very much connected with her in the dog aspect now i've gone back and looked and tried to find if it was actually my upg or not as far as the dog thing is concerned i think it's more in her frau percha frau bercha and her darker Mm -hmm. element that she's associated with dogs um Mm. and i cannot say the gentleman's name who is at the front of the wild hunt eckhart is that his name um and i was yeah Okay, and I believe he is associated more with the dogs, but she is said mm. to ride through on the wild hunt and um, that the black dogs bay at her feet. Um, oh. you've talked, you talked about it a little bit in, in your episode with Jack uh, about yeah. having come out of a not-so-great household. Um, and mm. I came out of a household that um, had a lot of uh, narcissism, abuse, and yeah. things like that. And um, my grandmother, who was very much a mother to me, died when I was six. So that mother, and my mother was my main abuser. So Holda, for me, has been that great eternal mother. Mm. And I went on to um, 
found the Mother Holdup Yahoo group, the Facebook group, and then eventually now um, I'm talking about her on TikTok um, and have done a whole series about her there. And she has just woven herself into my life. I've dealt with a lot of mental illness because of the way I grew up. And um, so I struggled with my home and keeping my home clean and things like that. Mm, And mm -hmm. so taking care of that and taking care of my animals has been part of my dedication to to that. And as I've gotten better, I've added more things, being community elder. Now I'm working at a Mm -hmm. diaper bank. Um, So, um, and there was, I struggled with infertility for a long time. And Mm -hmm. so I hoped at one point that, Holda would grant me with children, my own physical human children. And that did not happen. But now as I have moved into the role of reluctant elder in my community, Mm. I now have a whole community of kids that needed Mm. mothering and continue to need mothering. And that has been the greatest thing for me. I wanted kids and I got more than I can take a stick at. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I love her so much. I love her so much. Mm-hmm. And um, in our first book, in, the, in, Rob, in Rob's first book, our our first book of Orglava myths, um, yeah. he talks about the story about, about Frahola coming over and that she had left the Palantine region during the wars and that she came over with her people and settled at Hexacol. Mm-hmm. And so I love that at least some aspect of her came over. Um, Holda goes back. She's old. She's ancient. Yeah. She's older than the Vanir, than the Asir. She is probably Neolithic. Um, mm-hmm. At her place at um, Fahultek in uh, the Hartz Mountains in Germany, um, there are caves that are associated with her that may have to do with fertility as well. Of course, Martin Luther talks about her and the fact that mm-hmm. he says, you know, the women would go up to the mountain at night and ride with Frahola. And mm-hmm. um, so she has this much longer, deeper association with with Germany and is more German folk magic than really the heathen community that we kind of see more right. proliferate on social media that are more Icelandic, right. are more Norse, are 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 more uh, Scandinavian. And um, people try to equate her with Frigg. People try to mm. equate her with Freya. And I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> Please don't think that Helda is the kind of goddess who is like, oh, my God, the house has to be like, you know, I have to get my toothbrush oh, no. out and clean the corners and get my no. toothpicks out. And um, it has to be white glove clean. No. no. no what she's talking all. about is she's yes. talking about a relationship because yes. your home is a reflection of your mind. So she yes. wants you to do what you are capable of doing. Yes. So yes. that eventually all of this gets better. Yes. Slowly, deeply. Holda is loving. She is kind. Mm-hmm. And as kind and as loving as she is, she is 
fierce. Yes. She is yes. bear mentality. If you mess with her kids, she will mess with you. And you yes. never want to see her dark side. No. <laughs> no. Now, she might be a little bit like, look, okay, we've been working on this. Mm, you need to, you know, tend to this. Okay, it's yeah. a shit or get off the pot yeah. kind, of, kind of mentality, what, we, what we've been talking about. Yeah. Hold this for everybody. Hold this for who wants to work with her. Holda is also associated with children. She That's a big part of who she is and what she is. But she's also associated with death. Um, in particular, um, the gathering of souls through the wild hunt. Do you want to talk about the wild hunt? Because we can do that. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I would love to hear more about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here, let me stretch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So wild hunt is known all over Europe. It's known by many different names. Um, and there are different people who are leading the wild hunt. Um, in some places, it's a king. I believe in Ireland, it's a, Ireland. Uh, no, I'm sorry, in Wales, it's a king. Um, in different parts of the country, it's uh, different parts of of Europe. It's different people. For the yeah. Germans, it was Frau Hola, um and Odin with her. Yeah, you heard me right. I said Frahola. <laughs> With Odin with her, not right. Odin was riding the head of the wild hunt, yes. and Holda was with him. Mama's in right. the front, yes, Odin in the back. Yes. <laughs> now, as Oglavas, mm-hmm. we see Eckhart as the person who comes forward from and tells the communities the wild hunt is coming, you must prepare. Yeah. Uh, Eckhart loved Holda and was um, devoted to her in his life, and he still remains that way in his death. The wild hunt tended to be these huge storms. We are all energy. And when we pass from this life, we remain energy. And part of the wild hunt is gathering up all of this energy, all of these souls. And we see these, so we see the wild hunt roll through in the times that we know of as the times when death would be the heaviest from basically mm. about October all the way yeah. till about the, the spring in um, uh, March or so. Now in Louisiana, it's a little bit different. So I think of hurricanes as part of the wild hunt. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. We're going through, we're picking up all these souls and stuff even though that starts in August and um, will continue up until uh, October or so, the first part of October. Um, And that's going to vary depending on where you are. Where you are, you're going to get blizzards that come through. You're going to have nor'easters. And that's going to be the kind of weather involvement that she's going to pick up on and she's going to ride through. Um, And I'm not talking about little rains. I'm talking about thunder that mm-hmm. shakes the windows and the window yeah. panes. Yeah. Um, that you walk outside <laughs> on the porch and it's lightning so bad the hairs on your arms are standing up. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of power and movement. Now in the old days they would say um people would go and journey with Holda in the wild hunt. They would lay as if they were dead. Um mm-hmm. to actually hear the wild hunt 
come through was said to cause madness. Um, but it told a gathering of all these souls that have passed in the last year. Mm. And of course, as climate change is changing, we're, she's, um, the earth is not only cleansing herself with these mm. storms, changing out electricity yeah. and ions and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. she's actually picking up, you know, all the dead from we've had from COVID and all the other illnesses. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's not just those who have died in the last year. Sometimes it's, a, it's the soul that gets lost and um, hadn't been picked up. Jack Montgomery, uh, who you did a wonderful interview with, uh, he talked about, I think he talked about it in that podcast, and, and he's talked about it for a long time, is that, when you have a cluttered home, things can get in and kind of hide. Yes. And, and so, uh, so that can yes. be kind of spiritually dangerous, not spiritually dangerous. Yes. It can be spiritually dangerous, but uh, spiritually negative is probably a better term. Um, but also when you start cleaning all that stuff up and you start moving mm. all that stuff and it gets all sticking yes. out and <laughs> people think, Oh, well, I need to cleanse my home. Well, <clears throat> And they're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy sage and, you know, feather and I'm going to do all this. I'm like, baby, you ain't got to be all that. Put a little salt in your mop water. Yeah. It's lemon flavored anyways. Lemon is a clean, is it cleans and cleanses. It's lavender, it's lavender pledge. You know, it's lavender fabuloso. I'm like, you're already doing it. You just have to change the intent behind it. Yes. Yes. Being a a witch, being a practitioner, however you want to call it, Mm. does not require that you go out and spend this huge amount of money. And and we talk about, and and as Americans and as consumers, that's Mm. what we think. We've got to go out and buy all this stuff. And I remember talking in the early days, and I said, okay, guys, where do I buy an altar? And they were like, well, yeah. you can get the actual wood for it, you know, the box. But I'm like, no, all the stuff that goes on it, where do I buy that? They were like, you don't. You just acquire it over <laughs> over years. And yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> it does not have to be hard. It does, you yeah. know, people are like, well, what do I give hold as an offering? I'm like, she likes coffee, but water is just <laughs> fine if you don't have anything else. What do I pray to her? It doesn't have to be any more complicated than help me. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Right. You know. That's very, very true. It's very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. And I wanted to mention. I wanted no, to you talk about Yule for just a minute because yeah. Yule is one of Holden's more sacred times. Had a German yeah. grandmama. Loved her. God rest her. And um, little bitty old thing. And she would go. <laughs> You had to bleep me that shit crazy right before Christmas because the house had to be immaculate. Yes. And I did That's... not understand that. And there was yeah. nobody to explain it to me. So I right. went looking for these customs and traditions. She would not mm-hmm. wash clothes between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, wow. she'd rather take a beating than do it. Wow. Um, and and so I went looking for that. Okay, the twelve days before Christmas, you clean the house. You get it ready mm-hmm. for Holden to arrive, and then mm-hmm. you use that twelve, that thirteen, thirteen days and twelve nights outside. It's a time outside of time. It's a and 
you yeah. use that. The holy time, it's almost like a 13th month prior to the Gregorian yes. calendar to offset the 13th moon that happens in a lunar year. So um, part of that is not only cleaning up the house, but you're finishing projects for the rest of the year that needed to be mm. finished so that you are yeah. done with the year and you can go into the new year unburdened. I recently oh. read the reason for no washing clothes between Christmas and, and New Year's. It was because the ladies would go down to the river to wash their clothes, and between Christmas and New Year's, the river was too wild, and they did not mm. want the ladies to drown mm. in the river washing clothes. And I was wow. like, wow, it goes back that far. Um, I don't know. Did you have Christmas stockings or did you have Vinoxitalis? Did you have Christmas plates? We had stuff. Uh, you know what? We had such a mishmash. My parents were just like, fuck it off. <laughs> I think we had stockings. I, it was like so chaotic. I don't, honestly, I have a lot of like memory loss because of it. So That's okay. I know we had stockings. Yeah. But um, at I've Christmas, my Oma laid out um, uh, Christmas plates. And it took me years mm. to find the word for it, but it's Weihnachtstella. Weihnacht, obviously, obviously, Christmas night, and Tella yeah, being yeah. plates. And um, so we would have oranges and apples and mm. uh, nuts, a really nice chocolate, and a couple of little presents in it, you know, little toys or whatever. Yes. That plate goes back a really long time. So in Germany, they would actually leave a bowl out of milk for the Virgin Mary who would pass over the house. Wow. And they would come back, they would leave it out for mass, and then they would go to mass, and then they would come back, and the bowl would be empty, and it would be filled with fruit and nuts that Mary had come by the house, left presents, and had had, had left them um, presents in the bowl. But milk is associated with Holda, of course, being mm. the great mother, lactating. So all milk animals tend to be related to her. Holstein cow, oh, wow. H-O-L. There's that yes. first part of her name right there. Yes. Um, oh, and um, come from a Holstein region. And um, goats, anything mm. else, sheep, anything else that gives milk tends to be associated with hers and of course geese and storks um storks if you've ever seen the little stork uh yeah. embroidery scissors those actually yeah. used to be hemostats oh, wow. and so the midwives would carry them to clamp off the umbilical cord and wow. so the idea of the stork bringing the baby is actually the idea of stork bringing the baby's soul the little red back, uh, spot you get on the back of a baby's neck is called a stork bite. But mm, that yeah. holda is associated with wells. More than likely, she's associated with wells because of the breaking of the amniotic fluid when it comes mm. out. And then and then there would be water everywhere. Um, right. But the child's soul was said to stay with Mother Holda, and then it would be delivered. So there are many who believe that she actually eventually became Mother Goose. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
so, okay. so here is yes. this matronly figure riding on a yes. goose, and then the goose yeah. and the storks are both associated with babies and the bringing of souls wow. and all of this. So it's there. The, the iconography is there. You know, and as any good mother, she wants she wants what's best for you. Yeah, and all children are so different. (laughs) And all of us are so different. And all of us have, and quite a lot of us have a lot of trauma. And quite a lot of us have had really sucky moms or sucky families. And she's just like, come on over here. You know? Yeah, absolutely. um, And, you know, they always tell you when you're in the other world not to eat. I go to Holda's house. She always offers me something to eat and something to drink, and I don't dare refuse her. Oh, well, thank you so much, Elsa. It's been so much fun. I have enjoyed it. I look forward to talking to you again. Hello. Hey there. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Rachel? Very good. Um, Welcome back, Patrick. It's so nice to hear from you again. Um, Today we're talking about Elder and Prahala. So I'm excited that you wanted to participate and contribute a story for us. Sure, absolutely. There's really no preface at all. It's just um, kind of like a collection of stories of people's experiences, either with the plant or the goddess or the plant spirit, however you lean in your own in your own life, how it's come, come to you. So I'm excited sure. to hear what you have to say. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, most of my experiences come through um, my understandings and experiences of powwowing. Um, so my teacher taught me a little bit about the role of the elderberry as a healing plant. And of course, we know there's a lot of different ways that the elderberry was used over the years. Many people today, of course, um, know about the berries and they use the berries for a cordial. It's thought to be antiviral. Um, I'll just mm-hmm. add the disclaimer that a lot of these things have yet to be truly scientifically evaluated. And so I'm not advocating for any particular use in my discussion of this, but just rather relating some of the general thoughts that people have had. Um, bark was used, um, for instance, to reduce inflammation. Same with elderflower tea. So pretty much every single part of the plant has been used for medicine. However, the only part that is non-poisonous is the flowers and the berries if you cook them. So all the other right. parts should be used ultimately with a tremendous amount of caution. And even traditionally, they were. So the plant was always thought to be both beneficial, yet something that needed to be respected and honored. And of course, the understanding about um, the term, you know, holabea in Pennsylvania Dutch, um, it literally sounds like it's saying hola's berry. So there's this idea yeah. that um, this could be the personification of an ancient elder who is taking care of us in one way, shape, or form. The funny thing about that, too, is that within powwowing, um, there really isn't a lot of direct discussion of um, entities or things like that that are non-Christian. Because it's been, right. you know, part of a Christian culture for centuries. So um, we can certainly infer some of those things and look back at the history and, and get a better understanding of the origins of some of these perceptions. And one of those um, perceptions I think that's really um, interesting is the elderberry has been thought of for, you know, many different groups of people as not only a healing plant, but a plant under which one might encounter a particular entity. 
usually female and usually protective. Um, there are rituals that come out of the British Isles about um, saying particular charms or incantations in order to summon fairies that are found under the elderberry. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Dan Harms, had done some research on that. Um, but within the Christian context, um, folks believe that you would see uh, the Virgin Mary underneath the elderberry. Um, so mm. for me, it's not a matter that these stories are not, you know, just Christian per se, nor are they just pagan. Um, they yeah. are actually part of a much broader human experience that has many different faces. And so um, my experiences with the elder are that um, I've learned a bunch of different healing uses. And whenever I use the plant, I always ask the plant permission before I can harvest. Um, I'll tell you about one way that's been really helpful. So uh, this is this is something that was told to me by an old man in Berks County. Um, he worked on a road crew and uh, he used to, um, you know, talk to the guys on the crew and they'd always have problems because they'd be sweaty and they'd be they'd be chafing. Mm -hmm. And his, mm -hmm. his remedy that he taught them was you take you take leaves of the elderberry and you put them in your back pocket and it keeps you from chafing. Well, all the guys oh, didn't wow. believe it. And so uh, he he said, well, you just go try it. And so. Um, Essentially, uh, you know, he found that all of his, his friends were like, yeah, we don't know how it works, but it does. Um, so whether that's a little bit of, you know, mind over matter, who knows. But um, I've done it every year at the Kutztown Folk Festival when I'm up on the ladder. And uh, wow. Eric Claypool, the painter as well, uh, we, all, we all put elderberry leaves in our back pockets because it helps keep you shape from chafing. Um, but there's, there's other examples wow. in my life that have been really important, um, aside from that one small way, which I should say that is kind of important. So it's not mm. to be, not to be under, undersold there. Um, but the one thing in particular, um, that I, uh, um, that I have been, you know, fortunate to have been able to do is, um, relating to the elderberry following a birth. So following the birth of both mm. of my kids, um, we took the placenta home from the hospital with us and buried the placenta under the elderberry bush. And both of my kids were born in the winter, which is kind of difficult to dig a hole in uh, <laughs> the end of January um, and uh, end of February. So, um, but, but, you know, I was able to do it. And uh, it's a very forgiving plant to begin with because, you know, it has these yeah. root stocks that are constantly yeah. putting up new shoots. And even if they're interrupted, they usually do pretty well. Um, so yeah. you find a bare spot within the, uh, within the bush and you bury it. And uh, the belief is that um, the elder will, you know, will watch over your children and keep them safe. Mm. And so for, for some Christians, this was, this was, you know, thought to be the Virgin Mary because she was, you know, the, basically the patron saint of motherhood in general. Um, yeah. So there's that connotation. Then of course, whether you think about Frau Hollow or any of the other figures, um, the notion is that there is a, a feminine protector spirit who is going to watch over people and uh, that this bush um, is both protection and also medicine, but one that must be respected because if you ever are unfortunate enough or dumb enough to to pick a handful of elderberries and eat them <laughs> raw you'll get a stomach ache immediately i mean it's like it's mm. it's because it's arsenic. There's arsenic in it and a bunch of other compounds, too. So um, it's one of those things that must be respected. And I think that that's a really important thing. Um, I also um, was taught a little bit about um, the notion of of tying things on as a, as a ritual practice. 
um, it's all in through powwowing. Many different, um, many different brahuray rituals involve the use of a string that is either passed over um, a person who's ill, or or something. Somehow the string is either manipulated or tied into knots um, as a person is is focusing on relieving a particular illness. And this can be done by the person who's sick, or it can be done by a practitioner. Either way. Um, it can be done solo. It can be done with another person. Um, but um, the idea is that you can you can tie things onto the elderberry in a sense, like hanging your prayers on the tree. And I love that concept because we we think about you know um, whether we're talking about um, Christmas trees, which also have ancient origins, and the hanging of things on Christmas trees that are ornaments. But oftentimes those ornaments are representing concepts. At the very least, they're representing things that we find beautiful. Or maybe sometimes, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen people's Christmas trees, have images that are religious or images that are uh, you know family oriented. Um, the action of hanging things on a tree um, is is poignant in the Christmas situation. It's also poignant in the healing situation to hang things on a tree because the idea is that you're you're unburdening yourself and that this this uh this wise plant intelligence is going to do something to help you um and uh, take that on and there's lots of different rituals of transference with trees um throughout powwowing throughout brahurai you'll find everything from plugging illness into a into a tree by boring a hole and taking some small sample of like say the hair off the top of a person's head who's ill and putting them in and then plugging the hole up elderberry is much too small to be able to do that with obviously mm-hmm. but it's perfect for hanging things on and uh yeah. my elderberry bush at home has all kinds of things hanging on it um because it's just a good place to be able to uh to reflect and to uh, to unburden something, whether it's a an idea you want to an idea you want to maybe think about and and release, or whether it's an illness or anything like that. Um, so, elder has been for me a uh, a really important plant, both in my own practice and my own experiences, um, but also one that I think there's still a lot of work to be done. I've mm-hmm. done a bit of research looking at historical records regarding the elder and there are just so many stories um mm-hmm. regarding the elder and and saints for instance um you'll have for instance the idea that some folks believe that um when the uh <clears throat> when the holy family uh, uh fled to Egypt in order to protect Christ from King Herod and the uh, the slaughter of the innocents when they slayed all the all the young young male children um, under a certain age, um, they uh, they fled to Egypt and there's stories that that Mary hung the diapers out to dry on the elderberry bush, <laughs> which is really interesting when you think about it because it's, <laughs> I mean it's 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 you know it, it, it's one of those things you got to do if you're if you're using cloth diapers you got to hang it somewhere yeah. um so but but it also kind of reinforces some of those ideas about um the uh, <clears throat> uh about about hanging on the tree um mm. another more unfortunate example um relates to the notion of Judas Iscariot's suicide and some believe that Judas Iscariot hung himself on an elderberry tree but I think it's probably a very different kind of elder than what we use yeah. here because uh, <laughs> elderberry doesn't normally get large enough. And in fact, no, if you like yeah. go like hanging or swinging on an elderberry tree, you're just <laughs> likely to break it. Um, it's very yeah. unlikely that there's much that could be uh, um, done with that. But I, I find all the stories that go along with it to be particularly interesting. And uh, there's 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 a 
you know, an old story about St. Leopold who founded the uh, abbey at Kloster Neuburg, who saw a vision of the Virgin Mary under the elderberry bush. And uh, there he miraculously recovered his wife's wedding veil that had been missing for something like nine years. So there's all these different legends that center around the elderberry bush. And uh, it's, you know, I'm I'm excited by all of that because I think there's a lot of work to be done to understand not just how people have thought about it in the past, but then looking at some of the common threads and seeing what we can do to kind of, you know, um, find ways to contextualize our experiences today because everybody's continuing to have, you know, experiences with elderberry. If you if you have the bush at your house and or if you if it grows somewhere where you are spending time, you're you're going to have some form of an experience with it. And for those who are sensitive to plants and believe that plants can do more than just uh, just you know, be passive observers or, or, or for some who may not believe that plants can do much at all, they might just think that plants are just, um, you know, um, elements of our landscape and nothing more. Um, but the reality is, I think if you, if you spend time with a plant, you, you, you learn something about it and you learn something about uh, what it can do for you and what you can do with it and how you can understand it better. So. Wow. That's wonderful. I love, I love all of the things. Um, wow. First of all, that's that's wildly um, just moving to hear the story about um, planting the placenta. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting because I was super reluctant about the plant at first. I really always really loved Rahala and the legends and the myths, um, but I was very reluctant about the plant for about two years. <laughs> I just sort of mm-hmm. would not let let go. It just kept as you mentioned about the shoots, it just kept being so prolific. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, last year, it kind of just, um, we had we had a connection. But it's interesting how you, you can't see, um, you can't see plants the same way if you're not open to them. So there was definitely a shift that had to happen, and it was a really beautiful experience. Um, I am curious to ask you, um, where did your personal uh, elder plant come from? Because <laughs> I'm doing six degrees of Susan's half separation. <laughs> Where did my plant come from? Yeah. Did you get a cutting from someone or did you purchase it? No. So, so the one plant is has been <laughs> growing at the property where I live for oh. decades. I mean, it's been there a long time. Wow. There's actually That's multiple awesome. plants there. Um, there's also a really big, healthy elderberry bush that is at the Heritage Center, and that's another one that I interact with on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, um, I I don't I didn't get one from Sue, um, but I'm definitely aware of Sue's love of elder, <laughs> and uh, Sue used to make um, elderberry cordial, and she gave some of yeah. that to me, and that's it's wonderful. And everybody does that a little bit differently. Some people really like spice it up and some people mm. it's kind of more plain it really depends on who's doing it i kind of i like it either way um i really appreciate it and uh i think it does um it's a good it's a good winter tonic it always seems like the best yeah. time to to have it and it's funny because um you know the the berries are you know they're they're late summer they're <laughs> depends yeah. on where you're situated and what you're like what zone you're in but they're they're a summertime berry so um it's not like um you know it's not like you have berries sitting around to make cordial unless you freeze them and that's what most people i know do they freeze them and then use them later um because certainly freezing also helps to um 
what shall I say, it preserves their properties, but at the same time, it kind of like ruptures all the cells. So then they, they, they kind yeah. of, they steep a little bit better when they first go into the, into yeah. the hot water. Um, and of course, the way we've always done it is you, you add the, the berries to, uh, you know, boiling water, you kind of skim mm-hmm. off the scum that comes off the top of it. Cause a lot of that stuff that comes off the top doesn't really taste good. And it's certainly doesn't look good it kind of kind of funky um sometimes it's like a brownish purple and some people Mm. also claim that by doing that you're like actually skimming off the arsenic but i don't really know if that's chemically true or not Um, but you skim off the scum and uh you know you can strain everything out um there's correct proportions but i think really the idea is if you're aiming for something that's more like a cordial like a syrup you're you're wanting to uh, um get something to a consistency where it's 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 thicker than juice and then you can, of course, yeah. back mix that with whether you're using, you know, grain alcohol or brandy or something like that. Of course, if you don't use alcohol, you can you can use uh, glycerin and other things like that, which is another thing. But that would be kind of an odd that would be an odd taste because um, glycerin yeah. tinctures are just kind of odd, um, but mm. they work. Um, but I I, uh, I I usually will will use some sort of either grain alcohol or or, or brandy or something like that and. It's not you don't need a lot of it, but just enough to preserve it. Um, and uh, the more you add to it, the less likely it is to mold in your refrigerator because there is oh. many people will add sugar and other things like that to it yeah. as well. So um, depending on you find the right mix after a while. But yeah, we've been we've yeah. been doing it a couple of years now since we had this home, which is actually ten years. And I guess um, our elders been really just producing a lot of berries probably for the last five years or so and I know Hunter started by making jam but it was really tricky because um it's just tricky with jam but then he settled with mm-hmm. that syrup and he really enjoys it but I never I never thought to add the um green alcohol like you mentioned that's a great idea that's wonderful thank you um let me ask you also of any of the books I'm trying to think if I can recall do they do they have anything about the elder in them um, my books, the books that you've published, yeah. Yeah, um, my book, Powwowing in Pennsylvania, Browcherai and the Ritual of Everyday Life, yes. has, I, I want to say it's like almost two pages of content relating to the story of the elderberry. Um, and it's it's in a broader context. It's relating to how herbs oftentimes are connected to the calendar and to specific saints. And there's a number of ways that this works. Sometimes it has to do with that herb's properties being specifically related to a particular saint or a saint story or a biblical narrative, which I mentioned with the elderberry as well. But there's also um, sometimes, like for instance, um, you know, uh, Johannes beer, which is red currants. Um, they are named yeah. in honor of St. John because they they typically become ripe at the, at the Feast of St. John. Now that isn't consistent everywhere. It's only consistent within certain cultures and certain areas, uh, specifically agricultural zones. And some of those zones have shifted since the time that those original assignments were made. So you will find sometimes that these don't always hold true in the present, um, but these are often historical notions. So, um, But I found all kinds of things, even even understandings about um, parsley, for instance, um, the word in Pennsylvania, Dutch is pedali, which means like little Peter. 
So it's like St. Mm-hmm. Peter. Um, and there's specific yeah. rituals about when you can and can't transplant parsley because if you, the belief is that if you uh, if you uproot parsley at the wrong time and try to transplant it out of season, um, that you'll lose your best friend, which is like relating to the experience of of, of Saint Peter uh, with the betrayal and that kind of thing. So it's like even even some of those ideas, you kind of have to reach sometimes for those meanings, but they're there. They're kind right. of implicit based on how those characters were understood to function within within the narrative and how they relate to the plant and how we relate to the plant uh, in a particular way. And it's it's metaphorically connected through the biblical literature. Um, but of course, every culture has their own way of approaching this. And I would, I'd be certain that there were um, you know ancient customs as well that probably also had some really robust narratives. But I work primarily with Within you know the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, largely through the uh, you know the 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 old calendar customs, largely uh, through the church liturgical calendar, with some elements that are Protestant and some that are old Catholic rituals as well. Even though the fact is, um, you know, the Pennsylvania Dutch were largely largely Protestant, um, only about one percent were Roman Catholic. Uh, they still maintained a lot of customs that were related to the old agricultural year and uh, the cultural significance that came from. Catholicism and uh, it's, you know, kind of serving as 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 the brand of Christianity in the West for quite some time prior to the uh, advent of the Protestant Reformation. So all of that's really important when you understand folk culture, too, because even though um, a group of people may manifest certain traditions um, that, um, you know, you might think are related directly to their denominational affiliation, you may actually find that their denomination was connected to another denomination historically, and so then you find connections there as well. So for the Pennsylvania Dutch, there's a lot of Roman Catholicism in the history, mm. even though the majority of the people, you know, were either um, either uh, Protestant or Anabaptist yeah. uh, or Pietist, um, and then about 1% were, uh, you know, Roman Catholic. Wow, that's fascinating. That's very cool. Yeah, and where can we get the book? Because I'm looking at it right now, and I found um, the the image of the elder and the uh, chapter about herbal rituals, trees, shrubs, oh, yeah. botanicals, shrubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can get the book at masthof.com. You can also um, order it online uh, through Masthof, or you can also print out an order form from the Heritage Center's website, www.kutztown.edu backslash P-G-C-H-C. And Kutztown is K-U-T-Z-T-O-W-N. I love your, I love how you say that. That's so wonderful. With that, I have nice to memorize cadence. it to say on, <laughs> on BCTV and other things like that. Yeah, so. you say it very well. There's a nice thing song equality. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. This has been wonderful. And wow, it's just yeah. like, I'm going to have to go back and pause and listen very carefully to a few things over and over again. It's a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you contributing and um, definitely adding some historic perspective, especially about powwow perspective. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so the elder at the Pennsylvania German Cultural Heritage Center, was that also there when you arrived? Yes, yes, it was there. It was oh, there from the very, very beginning. Cool. So my my understanding is that it could have it could have been there from the time that the farm was originally used because it's an old tree. I mean, there's, I mean, the, sure. the trunks of it, there are multiple trunks and some of them are over four inches wide. So it's been wow. there a long time. Um, the one at my house there, they're no more than an inch at the widest. I mean, even a little yeah. bit less. And that's an old plant that's been there for decades. 
Um, and that just puts up wow. new shoots all the time. So it doesn't, <laughs> a lot of the branches don't last a long time. You know, sometimes they, right. they die off in parts. Um, but the one here at the center is, is just enormous. So it's been here a really long time. My guess is it predates the center. Um, but I don't wow. know. It's also possible that someone could have brought it at one point in time because the center has been around mm-hmm. for 30 years, but it looks right. like it might be over 30 years old. So I don't, I, I, I would, I would guess it was there from the time that, um, that the farm was originally used as a, you know, as a, as a farm prior to being right. a museum. So where is it on the property? I'm just trying to put my bearings together. I'm Behind the farmhouse. To, I'm not right by oh, the, okay. right by the, yeah. the head of the spring. Uh, that that opens gotcha. up and into the wetlands. Oh, that's wonderful! That's so wonderful! Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. This has just been wonderful, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us again so soon. Um, it's really nice Absolutely. to have you on again. <laughs> hey, well, thank I you so much. I, I I heard your shout out for elderberry stories, and just thought, well, if if uh, if you had the time and you're interested in hearing one, I will offer mine. So thank you so much for the invite and the shout out, and uh, it's nice to talk with you again so soon. You as well, Patrick. It's really nice to have you back on. We're gonna have to make right. this a regular Fantastic occurrence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's else. do it. Let's do it. I look it's forward. So to much it. fun. That'll be fun. So much fun. All right. Will you take care and mock boots? You too, and see you at the Kutztown Folk Festival, if not before. Yes, yes, with elderberry in my pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Often wear it's good for hot days. <laughs> That's a really good trick because, you know, chasing is no joke, especially at the Folk Fest, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly, truly. And, uh, oh, yeah, it, and I'm, I'm up on a ladder all day up there. So. Yes, yes, in the scorching heat, roller, um amazing to be able to do that it's it's a very hot time but a wonderful time (laughs) absolutely today we have ruthie collie with us welcome ruthie hi rachel thanks for having me i'm mother hildy's herbal and hildy means elder in danish um as an homage to my danish heritage and um i put mother in front of it because i wanted something like nurturing feeling um And then I was reading a Matthew Wood book and uh, he's a famous North American herbalist. And I um, was reading, he was talking about, um, you know, the folklore that surrounds the elder. Elder was the first herb that I really connected with. And that's why I chose Hildy as my herb name. And so I'm Mother Hilly's Herbal, and then I realized that there's all of this amazing folklore surrounding uh, the elder tree, um, mm-hmm. specifically even in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition, which, as you know, we live right kind of in the middle of here in Pennsylvania in this area. And um, Susan's course actually is very much steeped in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition. Um, so according to the folklore there's this uh you know older woman spirit that inhabits the elder tree and um Hans Christian Andersen wrote a story called the little elder tree mother about this little boy who gets sick he goes out and plays in the rain his feet get wet he comes inside his mother um, puts him to bed tucks him in makes him a pot of hot elderflower tea which you know in in herbalism is, um, you know, to help you sweat out a fever. Mm -hmm. And so 
he drinks this tea, goes into a fever dream, and the the little elder tree mother comes out of the teapot and whisks him away in in his dream time and shows him all these wonderful things that are going to happen in his life. And so I was like, wow, there's, you know, I feel like this plant chose me mm-hmm. um, as it's like the conduit, like I'm the hollow bone for the message of this plant. So funny story. I tried to, so I moved to this property 13 years ago. Um, it was woods and we cleared it. Um, my oh, wow. husband and I, we cleared it and built this log cabin and I was trying to plant elder at different places around the property. And usually it's not too fussy about where it no. grows. No, not I probably planted 12 or 13 elder trees and none of them took and um yeah none of them I dug them up they were babies from an elder on my family farm which is on a property adjacent to me and from a tree like that's the first elder that tree specifically on the farm is like the first one that kind of spoke to me and so I dug up a bunch of babies from it you know how they put up tons of suckers and (laughs) yeah put them all over the property very the jungle yeah ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and none of them took. And I was like, what God. the heck? This is my plant. Why aren't you? Oh my gosh. Gone? So um, you know, I was I would sit on my porch to uh when I would pick like a big basket of the berries, I'd sit on the porch and you know how it takes hours and hours. I have since figured out how to simplify the process. But anyway, I was sitting on the porch, you know, gently picking the berries from the stems, and it makes mm-hmm. a mess, you know. And then so I would sweep the porch. And one of the berries, you know, rolled off and decided to germinate and in one of the beds on the side of my porch. And so a baby elder popped up there and I was walking through the garden with a friend of mine and it was like in the spring when things just start to like pop and show. And she was Mm -hmm. also like a planty, nerdy, herby friend. And we were just kind of walking around marveling at, you know, the plants coming back to greet us. And she was like, oh, you have an elder right there in that bed. I was like, what? That like, that's the last place I would want an elder to grow. So I dug it up and put it somewhere else and it died. (laughs) Three, Three years in a row, I dug this elder up where it was trying to grow and tried to put it somewhere else and it wouldn't take. And so the third year, I was like, okay, you know what? You're obviously trying to tell me that this is where you want to be. So I let it grow there. And it's actually, I mean, I love where it is. And Yeah, I love where it is too. It's on, you know, the side of my porch. And so I took one of the babies from that elder and put it on the other side of my porch. And so now I have this like gate of elders. I feel like yes. she's now the guardian. I think I feel that way too, house. having been to your house. Yeah. yeah. That's very but cool. I think you were here when they were in bloom too. Yes, I was. Yep. Like it just brings me so much joy when I see those flowers, those like creamy white umbels mm-hmm. of elderflower. And actually I'm drinking, this is elderflower wine. <laughs> oh, nice. That's so yeah, cool. So, um, it just, I, it brings me so much joy to see those flowers. And I just feel like she continues to show up in my life in certain ways. 
And she is now like a guardian of my front door. And you have to kind of walk through this gate of approval <laughs> from, from the elder mother. You know, I feel like when I read your bio, um, the stuff about your grandmother really touched me a lot because I'm very connected to my grandmothers. Um, and I especially like that part. And I'll just read a little excerpt from it about the day that your um, grandmother passed and her name was um, Miriam, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you're just talking about that it felt like your movements were going in slow motion. I kind of totally identify with that. Um, and it says, it says um, that you were, that you were planting a sapling's root and, and you patted down the soil in the sapling's root. And it felt like a coming home to great things as if this was my welcome to their world. I felt an immediate belonging to the green realm and a responsibility for stewardship. A pack had been made that day. And I was just like really blown away by that passage. I, I just love that so much because it's so poignant when these things in our lives happen. So Frahala is often mentioned um, yeah. as a plant spirit. Do you connect to Frahala at all through the plant? Um, I do a little bit. I'm not um, Pennsylvania Dutch. I really, um, I mean, we, we obviously live so close and like yeah. almost in their community. Right. Um, and like, you know, I go to King's all the time, which is owned by, you know, it's all in that area. So, um, and there's a lot of overlap with some of the, the similarities in the mythology of Frau Halle, the Pennsylvania Dutch Frau Halle and the Celtic and the Germanic, um, um, iterations of the elder tree mother in the way that like they're very sacred plants. Mm-hmm. They're grown very close to the house because they um, are rich in medicine in the berries and the flowers and the leaves. Um, you would never cut one down without asking permission. Right. In, um, and that's very true in the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition. You're not supposed yes. to cut them down. Yeah. And um, in ancient Irish law, there was a hierarchy of trees and elder is one of them. Yes. And if you felled an elder, mm-hmm. uh, there were repercussions. Like maybe mm-hmm. you, whoever's land it was on, you would owe them like one of your yearling calves or something like that. Like this has been a sacred tree to many different traditions mm-hmm. where it's lived to. Um, so <clears throat> that's part of what is so fascinating to me about it is finding those threads that connect Mm -hmm. um, because no one was telling, like, how was there any communication between like the ancient Irish people and like, it just, it's amazing to me that plants convey their spirit to people regardless of time and place. And um, now we have like the technology and the knowledge to, Mm -hmm make all the connections between those dots but um yeah so I do I do connect to Frau Halle in that way mm-hmm. yeah it's just another name right for the same yeah. thing yeah mm-hmm. for the same plant spirit thank yeah. you so much for spending time with us thank and you for having me thank you so much to Ilsa Patrick and Ruthie for participating today 
in our wonderful episode about the elder, elderberry, elder tree, elder bush, whatever you call it, plant spirit, mother elder, Holda or Frahala. Many, many thanks. And I'll link everybody's information at the bottom of the show notes so you can check out what they do and learn more about their own paths. Very, very wonderful experience to do this episode. Very many blessings to everyone and max good. Thank you.